Today's episode is brought to you by Enchanted Travel Tales, bringing travel, magic, and fun to your holidays. We're here with Chad Corey, uh, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about a little bit of foreshadowing and how to tie up your story. So welcome, Chad, and thanks for joining us again. Well, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. So when we talk about foreshadowing, foreshadowing, we kind of hinted at that last episode where it's kind of giving little bits of information uh, to the reader so that they understand a little bit of the past plot, but also possibly explain what may happen in the future so that it's not that big of a surprise. Have you, have you noticed any great examples of foreshadowing or, or any reflection on yourself as far as your writing? How you've handled that, Chad? Uh, good question again. Uh, I'm trying to think of some great examples of foreshadowing. Um, I would think if you want to look at the uh, classic, you know, mythological aspect of it, you could look at Star Wars. And it's, in some ways, you can call it a cop-out writing-wise, but there's a similar arc that follows, and I'm sure some readers might be young enough to actually watch them in sequence from episode one to episode six, but us people that are a little older have to watch them out of sequence. But uh, if you watch it, it's a very similar process that uh, Anakin goes through, that Luke went through. Very similar setup, very similar encounters, very similar challenges and uh, ordeals he has to undertake in order to you know, become the Jedi Knight. The only difference is that Anakin did not pass the final test. He became you know, Dark Lord of the Sith. So in that sense, you can see a foreshadowing going on with what's going to happen um, throughout most of the movies. You can kind of tell, okay, this is going to happen because there's just different scenes, you know, with the Yoda and stuff. And especially if you've seen the, the first, the last three, you kind of know what's going to happen. There's a bunch of foreshadowing there. And then if you've seen the, the, the first three, there's still foreshadowing that's going to happen for the last uh, three as well. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's probably the best example I can, I can think of, even when the original 4, 5, and 6 series came out. They, they, they did a great job of making sure that you were set up to understand who the, player, who the characters were, where the setting was, but also uh, why, why they were being motivated to, uh, to go find this, uh, this dark force, this, this dark Jedi, and, and, and make sure that there was a conflict there that, uh, that kind of erupted, but you had to know that that uh, Darth Vader was connected to, to at, least, at least Luke Skywalker in some way. Yeah. And again, it's like maybe for some people it's more of a mythological thing because I, I know that George Lucas is very big on Joseph Campbell on the, the hero's journey and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted to keep it kind of the same, but, you know, it's echoes of the foreshadowing there. I mean, we're talking about other examples. I think another really interesting example is like X-Files where they had episodes that were already foreshadowing stuff happening, you know, later on in the series. And sometimes it was kind of frustrating for people because they didn't realize what was going on in the episode because everything has kind of been building up to that particular scene of that episode or that character had a certain character arc that was kind of ending or just really taking on a new level in that series. And then they just, you know, it's like, what's going on? Because they didn't know what was happening because everything is kind of a compounded foreshadowing all the way up to that point, all the way up to the end. Uh, so that's another example of, uh, of using foreshadowing and it kind of tells the, the, the story a little bit ahead of time and then kind of makes you wait for it, at least with X-Files case, until you get there. Hopefully you won't be confused by that time when it, when it does happen. But, uh, yeah, so there's some interesting examples out there. I mean, the other part of your question, I believe, was just 
how to use that for stories in general, or was that the correct answer or question, I should say? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just, just really how to use that effectively, because I know in my own writing, sometimes foreshadowing kind of comes up, but I didn't expect it to be foreshadowing until after I wrote it and got further on in the book and said, oh, you know what? I could use that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the classic one is, uh, I just had it to my tongue. The classic example is like uh, the old uh, the cliffhanger type of thing, serials from the old days, that, that kind of mentality with the, the pulp fiction and stuff that came out of that, where it's like, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mountain Man, you know, nothing could stop him. He, something happened, you know, foreshadowing there, he's going to have something that's going to take place, but you don't really know what it is yet. So that's, you know, a very simplistic form of foreshadowing. I think it's fun to do that sometimes, especially if you know your characters. And that's that's where I'm a big advocate. I go back you know, to our very first conversation, I think, about plot, is you have to really know kind of how the story's going, at least to a great majority of, of the way. And by doing that, you'll get some confidence and then combining that with the motivation and the perspectives of the characters as far as we talked about last episode, I believe. Um, that'll really help give you some, some great opportunities for some foreshadowing because now you kind of know where the story's going. You know where the characters want to go in that story, where they want to try and pull it at least. And then now you can really plant some really great seeds for foreshadowing that can help make the characters seem really more developed and interesting in the story, even more layered because things are happening ahead of time. And, and if it's done correctly, um, readers will go back and say, wow, that's just you know, I kind of knew that, but I didn't really know that, you know, kind of thing. And I think people appreciate that. You know, there's always that, that fun little thing. Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. But the cool thing is, is you, if you plant it subtly and they don't really catch it the first time around, but then something happens and they read the book and they go back and reread it, it's like, whoa, it was always there. I just, whoa. Or, the, or remember when they get to that point in time in the story and they'll say, wow, I didn't. I didn't even think about that till now, but yeah, it kind of comes to their forefront of their mind, and they're like, wow, it's great. So it's a fun tool to use if, if done properly, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it came through even in the, the movie Sixth Sense, uh, where they had some foreshadowing of what happened to Bruce Willis's character, uh, but there was hints along the way, um, and it, you, you can sense it, but they didn't give it, all of it away to the point that that you didn't get to the end and go, oh, oh, really? That That's what happened? Yeah. But the whole red door thing and how we could see how that was, that was cool. That was a perfect example because you didn't really catch it until the very end. You're like, wait a minute, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's dead. Okay. Yeah, because it was very subtle because, you know, the interaction with his wife was done in a great way um, where you thought he was talking to her and yet he really wasn't. And, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. So it's like, huh. Yeah. Okay, you're right. That's, that's a great example. So. And sometimes, sometimes it's more difficult to translate the the thoughts and visions you may have uh, from that movie aspect, or or you know just what you would envision onto the paper. So you know you have to be careful as far as how how much detail you throw in there, so that 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 it's believable either way. Yeah, and that's that's part of I think tying up the story as well. I, I think sometimes. Um, foreshadowing can be a helpful tool in that respect but you still have to have an ending in mind and it, like I said it can help direct and help give you kind of a focus but then you got to make sure you deliver on that unless it's really subtle and no one's going to get it anyway if they miss it but you really got to have an end in mind as far as tying everything together and I think that's that's a challenge that a lot of writers face as well 
is how do I finish what I've done? <laughs> you know, I started this big beast and I'm in the middle of it. I'm looking down me at the latter end of it now, and how do I wrap it up? What what process do I begin to do to you know make sure everything fits nice in a little bowl here and and it works? And that I think is a challenge. I mean, I'm sure you probably face that as well with your own work as you get closer to completion of different things. I mean, did you find that that's a bigger challenge to yourself now as trying to figure out how to finish what you've written? It is, and you know, I rely on. In many of the other topics that we talked about in the past, is, but it, you know, even the foreshadowing pieces. Okay, so how much did I put in there that that I can either a bring back at the end, or make sure that that it, it makes sense to end it this way? And you know, with the fairy tales that I'm working on now, that that was a big piece because they're usually shorter, so you have to make sure you didn't put in too much, uh, so that you can come to a logical conclusion at the end. And you know, either either look at it from that sixth sense perspective of here is here are the details that we've presented. This should all make sense. Here's how we're tying it up. Here's what happens at the end. It has to it has to make sense because otherwise people will look at it and go, Why did I just can I did I really waste four days reading this entire book and and not 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 understand why it ended this way. So so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely ties in like that. Yeah, the, the turkey little thing. Actually, the, the dirty, dirty little secret that a lot of writers know. I feel, I feel I can share with everyone here too, listening, is that foreshadowing is best done when the book is finished. You know the ending, then you go back and put in elements where you can kind of make it seem like you knew what was going on from the beginning. And the reader isn't going to know that. They'll think you're just a brilliant writer. But in reality, you know how the book's ended, and you, now you can go back and say, okay, now I want to foreshadow, well, this is going to happen. I'll put in this little sentence here, or put in this paragraph here that'll help set up what's going to happen here later on. And that, that for me, I've been, I find that's a little bit easier. Um, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not there. And, you know, I, I'll do some things, even subconsciously, I'll put little hints or plots in there. Or I'll know some things from the beginning, like I said, because I got kind of the plot going. But what I find that works really easy is now that I know the ending and I really want to build up one particular aspect of that or have a better, stronger character development arc for that particular character, I can go back to different uh, stages in the story with that character or different scenes and things and emphasize or put in either, either subtle or very little bit more pronounced uh, descriptions or just actions or things that really kind of help set up or foreshadow, even like really seemingly cryptic sentences or something that at the time you're like, what? But, you know, when you get to the middle end of the story, it's like, wow, now I know what that means. Um, so that kind of stuff I think can pay off if done, again, if done correctly or done well enough. But I think a lot of authors, not all of them, but I, I find myself doing a lot of my foreshadowing going back and just as I you know, edit and redo the book, putting stuff in there instead of trying to be all Mr. Intelligent and prophetic, you know, while I'm writing the book and trying to make everything fit. Um, is that kind of what you find as well for your own writing? Or? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I wrote, uh, when I wrote the, our, my first novel, it, it, that's exactly what I did. I, you know, I had the entire book outlined and, and the chapters pretty much written, and then I went back and put in little hints as far as why it was going to turn out the way it did. And um, it, it was interesting because people who would read the first drafts and help provide feedback on that, um, when they got the ending, they didn't necessarily understand the ending, but that's because I didn't go back and give them the, the other hints that I, that I added as I got closer to it. So, so yeah, it, uh, it, it's always easier to go back, uh, but 
we've been working with some authors recently that that when they get to the end they're just so surprised at at how it ended and you know you have to you have to look at them and and I've asked a couple of them well, well what did you do to get there? If, if you're surprised, how are the characters? How are the characters taking it? So, so, yeah. so, so you know they uh, um, they have to go back and look at okay. So what did they put in there from the sense of uh, putting in those hints? Uh, what what made them get there themselves? What motivated them as the writer to to pull those details out? And um, then they go back and revise even their ending to wrap things up, but to also back, go back and add those foreshadowing pieces a little bit more succinctly so that there's not as many gaps as they had originally. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's pretty typical of a lot of us. Um, again, those listening might be a little different, but that's, that's fine. I think it's probably the easiest way, too, because a lot of us, myself included, the, the ending is not always as clean-cut, I, I think, as we would like it. I mean, we, sometimes we get pretty close to it. Sometimes we get a little bit different, but it's just not always 100% what we envision for the ending. And then, like you said, it's always beneficial to go back in and just find some elements that need to be tweaked or rearranged or added to, to emphasize that ending in particular. So I think that's a fun way to do it. That's, you know, that's part of tying the story together, too, because you got to make some decisions. you got to figure, okay, when, when is the story arc over? You know, I've seen books that, or like like some movies that go on for hours. You're like, okay, this movie could have ended, you know, like an hour ago, and it would have been just great. Now we're just dragging our feet, and it's just it's boring me to death, you know, almost here. So, that's well, true. You know, I'll be that, honest. One of the uh, the J.K. Rowling books, uh, the the one in the Harry Potter series, um, th- there was a spot where they were just hiding out in the forest for chapters on chapters, and. I I almost I almost stopped. Actually, I stopped reading and switched to the to the uh, the audio book at that point because because I just it, it wasn't enough action. It, it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough storyline to justify uh, that that process for me. And the book was 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 probably you know five chapters too long, but they were in the middle somewhere and you couldn't really take them out. And I know that's probably yeah. wrong to say, and somebody will, will correct me somewhere along the way, but <laughs> uh, unfortunately well, it's... Well, audio are a different way to experience books, too, but that's a different conversation, because you're kind of you're stuck with this, the reader's speed and how they perceive things, too. But yeah, um, but yeah that's, that's a good point, and that's part of wrapping it up, because like I said, I've, I'm sure we all have that, too. You go to a movie, you go to a TV show, you're like, man, this... This movie should have been, you know, this way, or this TV show should have been like half an hour instead of an hour would have been a lot better. Or if we just took this scene out, because sometimes, you know, as writers, we get kind of greedy. We want to have more stuff, more scenes, more everything. And in reality, sometimes we need much less than that. And, you know, we have to make decisions. We get better at doing that as we get better at the craft and stuff. But it's, you know, how long should this character arc be? Should we end it at this stage? Um, should we end this this segment here? Do we really have to go up and, and, and really try and wrap extra things up over here above and beyond the storyline? Do we really need, like, you know, an epilogue, so to speak, to kind of make sure everyone got home okay after school, so to speak, instead of just stopping the story there and let people have their own conclusions being drawn? So those those are all elements that you really want to try and figure out and, and put together for, for a book. And tying it up is just as important as, as telling the story because, like you said, if it's not a, a rewarding ending, 
to the story. It's, you know, why you're reading it. Why, you know, people are going to say, like you said, I just wasted my time on I'm reading this book. It could be a fabulous book. And I've, I've seen books like that, too. I've read comic books like that. I've seen movies like that. I'm sure you have, too, where it has great potential, great promise. The story is interesting. You know, it's engaging in some different levels. And then it just kind of fizzles out, and then it's like, you know, it's done. And you're like, what? Yeah, you know, you mentioned you mentioned comic books in there. I, I think you know one of the things I remember uh, from my childhood is my dad saying, you know, I don't understand comic books anymore because they they change from the story was in one comic book to now I have to buy seventeen to understand what what on earth is going on here. Um, so you know, yeah. eventually comic books lost sight of you have to wrap it up somewhere and. Uh, uh, they just they go on and on, and hopefully they're 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 gonna get better at some point. But <laughs> well, they, they do wrap up. It's just a longer continuum. It's the story arc is much more extended. Yes, <laughs> that can be good. That can be bad. And that's like we, we're talking about here too. I mean, I've seen. I, I'm sure you have as well. I, I'm kind of coming from more of a fantasy vein. Uh, the most. Uh, authors might be perhaps, but uh, you get these epic long, you know, like uh, these huge 12, 15, 20 part series of uh, stories for this one epic tale. It's like, okay, do you really need 20 volumes? You know, <laughs> do you really need, you know, 12 or 15 books in this series to tell the whole story? And so that's sometimes people just like to, to stretch and exaggerate and keep telling and keep, you know, and, and that's fine if you can tell a good story and you really do need all those volumes. And that's, that's another topic for another day. But do you really, that's kind of the air I always kind of see people falling into in the beginning is feeling they have to keep telling stories and keep extending the story rather than finding a good cutoff point. Because usually you'll find a good cutoff point and it will be, Sometimes not where you want it. Sometimes a little bit premature, you think, but it's it's the right place for it. And otherwise, you can you can overextend yourself, and then, like I said, it just comes from a really interesting concept to like, okay, this is really boring, <laughs> and you want it to end. It's like, please, someone stop, <laughs> you know, stop this writer, and it just doesn't end for like another hundred pages. You're like, why, why? So again, those are some key elements. Um, stepping aside from foreshadowing for a minute to kind of talk about tying everything up uh, in a story. So. Yeah, and I think and I think you have to realize that as a writer before you send it to a publisher, send it to an editor, because they're not going to necessarily have the patience to go through some of that, um, and they're going to be more disappointed than than, than you are initially. <laughs> even if, even if you have a good story, they'll they'll point it out that you need to be more concise. You have to tell the story uh, a little bit better, and you have to wrap it up in a way that that ties everything together it makes sense uh but but also closes out that that uh that storyline so to speak um so speaking of closing out in that storyline we've 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 gone on for for quite a while so i want to make sure that 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 we don't uh that we don't uh, heed our own advice and and wrap things up uh um, and go from there so thanks again chad i appreciate the time and uh um, we'll talk to you all next time Will do. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Well, that sound is foreshadowing for close to the end of the podcast. Not quite, though, because we still have the quote of the week and some, some writing topics for you. Today's quote is brought to us by Charles Dickens in one of his more famous characters, Scrooge. Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends, to which, if preserved in, they must lead, said Scrooge. But if, in the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus, 
with what you show me. So what you show the readers or provide insight to the readers uh, within your story uh, is very important in their understanding where you're going. And as a writer, if your readers don't understand that, uh, they won't stick around to, to get to the ending so that you can tie things up nicely. For this week's writing topic, write a story that foreshadows an individual winning the lottery. It's all supposed to be by chance, but maybe, just maybe, there are certain things, certain things that have to align in your life for you to win that lottery. But pick out the certain events that may lead that individual, that lucky character, into achieving what what so many people wish by just spending that one little dollar instead of on the beverage, the food, uh, instead of spending it on that, they spend it on a piece of paper with random numbers on it. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Story Institute's Rambling Verser. For topics, uh, for writing, poetry, short stories, novels, you name it, please visit us at storyinstitute.com or give us a call at 615-431-RIT. And if you're an author looking to share more of your work, send us an email at ramblingverser at storyinstitute.com. If you like what you heard today, communicate with us in one of the ways mentioned before or post a review on iTunes. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to next week. But in the meantime, imagine, enhance, and grow your stories.